0: Is STEM really accessible for all students? What is the purpose of tracking students in school? We discuss inequalities in our school system and how putting students in a track may limit their educational potential. Claire and I also share our own experiences in struggling with math, but we had parental support and resources and were able to persevere and eventually become aerospace engineers. What about students who don't have that same support system? Should they have less of an education? We get pretty passionate on this topic. Enjoy.
1: Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Natasha. From college roommates to co-founders of Vivify
0: STEM, pull up a seat as we discuss our experiences as aerospace engineers,
1: Teachers, teachers, moms, program directors, curriculum writers, graduate students, and friends. This is the STEM Space Podcast.
0: Hey, Natasha. Hey, Claire. How is baby Fenya?
1: She, she almost slept through the night last night. She woke up one time. So I'm pretty excited. I feel like a new person. So maybe I'll actually make sense while we're talking today. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I'm back into grad school classes. I know you never stop. So what's going on in your grad school?
0: Well, it's been interesting. Um, first, I know what it's like to have a newborn and be taking classes at the same time, and it's not fun as you try to read very like rigorous, academic, heavy text, you know? Big
1: words, I'm big so words lost most of the
0: time. With no sleep and a baby with all these needs, so hang in mm-hmm. there. Um, <laughs> so, okay, what I'm taking this summer is the history of education. But I was expecting when I went to this class, I am really interested in the United States because I live here and I want to have an impact on our educational system. Instead, this class takes a global perspective and we are looking at the history of education in countries around the world. So every week we kind of spend some time looking at like the Middle East or China, Japan. And what is cool is they bring in different speakers from those places that have experience in that country. So like one of our classmates talked about where he grew up and his story of his country, and he actually was a teacher there, which is cool. And so it's been like also like a personal view of these different educational systems across the the world. So I just have been enjoying kind of learning about it. It has been so much information though, that it's hard to (laughs) really kind of like dive deeply into so many different countries and histories. But this article came up and I thought, I need to ask Claire about this and what her thoughts are, because this article is on the idea of inequality in education. And it takes a look at this idea of tracking. So a little bit of backstory. Uh, We were focused that week on actually American history and the role of schools in segregation and racial inequalities and social and economic inequalities and how schools have propagated those and more recently they were using iq tests to track kids into certain schools so you had to take a test and in like kindergarten And if you did really well on that test, you got tracked into certain classes from then on all the way until end of high school. And if you didn't, well, guess what? You were stuck in the not so (laughs) high achieving class. And of course, now it's not that extreme. But thinking about our current landscape of STEM education, I see a lot of that kind of still influencing our school system and this idea of tracking. What are your initial thoughts or reaction to this idea of tracking in schools?
1: Well, my initial reaction is we see a lot of people trying to promote growth mindset. But this whole idea of tracking and getting kids in this sort of a pipeline of whatever they think that they're good at so young, that's like the definition of fixed mindset. It's like Mm. you are not going to change. You are good at only this. And therefore, this is what you're going to be doing in 20 years. So we're only going to expose you to here. And if that would happen to me, I mean, I was in tutoring for a whole year in seventh grade because I did not understand negative numbers. That blew my mind. <laughs> I was like, how can numbers be negative? What? And so I was in tutoring and then I ended up taking the hardest math class at A&M University and did fine on it i have a minor in math i'm an aerospace engineer i did not know that (laughs) yes Mm -hmm. that happened to me what
0: (laughs) yeah in eighth grade i almost failed algebra because i just did not understand the x like what do you mean there's this placeholder number in the equations and i'll never forget sitting on a plane i don't know where i was going but my dad's like you will understand algebra (laughs) He is also an engineering professor. So uh, that <laughs> it was a little scary. Terrifying. But that yeah. is when he took ownership and was like, we're gonna learn this. And I struggled so much that year of eighth grade algebra. Negative numbers didn't throw me. It was the X and Y's and Zs huh. and all these like letters were being introduced into my number world. And I <laughs> I did not like it.
1: <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. So I always tell this story to my students who are like, I'm terrible at math. I was like, no. You are not terrible at math. It hasn't clicked for you on whatever this subject is, but we're going to get past it because I did. And if I can do what I'm doing now and was in tutoring, because I didn't understand this whole negative, how you can have negative numbers, you're going to be fine. Like in trigonometry, I remember this in, I think this was eighth grade, is we had these um, pop quizzes. Every class, we had a like, a timed quiz. I forget how long we got, like a minute. And it was giving you all these angles and you had to write down the, what the cosine and sine and tangent were of all these angles. And I remember the first two, I got a zero. I just stared at it and was like, what? I do not like, how are y'all memorizing this? And then I figured out how to do it. And the teacher had throughout out my quizzes. She said, you know what? I'm not going to count these grades because I know you can do this. It just hasn't clicked yet. So we're going to work on it, and I love the teacher for that because she believed in me, and because she yeah. believed in me, then I believed in me. And man, I'm so grateful because I love math now, and I never th- thought in my head, "Oh, I'm just bad at math and just gave up." So that going back around to uh, <laughs> tracking, <laughs> I feel like we're doing that with these kids if we're putting yeah. them in a in a box saying, "You are this," and then mm-hmm. they're stuck. So.
0: From the outside perspective of, okay, why would we want to do tracking? I can see that different students have different goals in their life. So perhaps some students want to go to college and be engineers, and others want to go be a mechanic or have a trade or fly an airplane or join the military. There's so many different things that we can do after high school. And the thinking of tracking is well, we want to set you up for success. be prepared for those careers so if you want to be an engineer here are the classes you should take because when you go to high school now there's like five different levels i mean i remember there was like the low level class (laughs) like the honors class the ap or the pre-ap class and those classes you had to take the certain level to do engineering or to go into science and if you didn't you were not going to be prepared to go and become an engineer, and you would be left behind and have to probably drop out. So from that perspective, I can see some value to differentiating education that way. The problem is, how are we tracking the kids, if that's the word we want to use, basically how are we assigning what classes they take, who is deciding on those classes, and is it even fair to offer like all these options? So I'm going to start with this first question in texas we have house bill five in eighth grade kids have to decide which track they want to do in high school so as an eighth grader they have to say i want to be in the stem track i want to be in the business track i want to be in the multidisciplinary track and i remember sitting down with my brother-in-law and i was like what do you want to do because he's an eighth grader and he's like yeah i really like video games but I like cooking, but engineering kind of sounds cool. Like he's all over the place, right? Like what eighth grader has any idea what they want to do? What did you want to do in eighth grade? I wanted to be a math teacher. (laughs) Are you serious? I really didn't want to be a teacher. Yeah. And I hated math so much, but I felt like I could teach it better once I like understood it because my teacher was so bad.
1: (laughs) Oh, oh, so you wanted to, okay. Redeem.
0: Yeah. You're and intervened. then I, I yeah. lost that education thinking and I was like, <laughs> I'm going to be an engineer. I was brainwashed by my parents. Hello, mom. Because <laughs> <listen. laughs> I'm glad you pushed me to do engineering, uh, but I found my way back. So that is my, I want to start here. What do we think of the idea of putting it on the kids and their parents? Because let's be honest, most of the parents are signing the forms and saying, yes, I allow you to do the STEM track. Or if you don't have these tracks in your state, Letting them pick, you know, regular geometry, honors, pre AP, those are tracks. You're putting your kids on a certain track in math, science, and English. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about how it really is on the parents. The parents are the ones that are kind of choosing this for their kids. And I see that culturally could be a big problem for a lot of people. I know I had several friends who were. Asian and their families traditionally said you have to be either a lawyer or a doctor those are your choices and so I could see how that could be a big conflict also if there are not much parental support I could see that it being like a rebellion thing where maybe kids choose something because they're like oh my parents wouldn't support this so I'm gonna do this but also, are they, I don't even know, are these tracks well-rounded enough to really support if there's going to be a change? Because so many people don't know in eighth grade any idea, like you said, your brother-in-law, like you're choosing your hobbies, not something where you really understand what a career is. I didn't really understand how to get to where I wanted to be until I had a ninth grade teacher assign a project where we had to figure out not only what we want to be, but what uh, degree you need to do that, and what school offers that degree with a really good program, and what kind of courses you take, and so I knew that, I was like, I want to be an astronaut, and she was like, Well, how do you do that? Uh, I had no idea, and that's when I figured out, Oh, an aerospace engineer—that that's a good track. Where's a good school to go to do that? What courses do I take? That's when I decided Texas A&M. So I think if we approach it really well and be intentional about how we prepare kids for thinking about this, that maybe it could be a good thing, but are we doing that? I don't know. No. No. Yeah.
0: I, I mean, I can talk from experience working in San Antonio with Uh, Title one schools, they had just built a STEM early college high school, which was to support the STEM track. And the students that enrolled there were going to have access to the best math classes, robotics, state of the art facilities, uh, fabrication labs. They would also get dual credit. So they would graduate with a high school degree and an associate's degree in four years. Kids were not signing up they could not get enough kids to sign up for this program because the program didn't offer band and sports and music. So you had to choose as a kid, as an eighth grader, do I really want to not do football and do robotics instead? And you can imagine the conversations I had with my space club kids. Like you probably should sign up for the STEM high school. Um, I I know football is really important to you right now, but imagine these opportunities that this program could bring. That's just so much to put on a kid. And the other problem I have with this, it is not fair to me that the STEM kids are not getting a well-rounded education that has sports, that has music. And they tried to like bring in buses and, and do something like that, but it wasn't the same. And then why are the kids going to the regular high school, in quotes here, not getting access to these facilities and getting these amazing robotics programs? So I I would go to those high schools and I would try to bring my space club program because they said, we have nothing. Like, we don't have the same electives and after school clubs. So If a kid comes here that is interested in STEM, we don't have that option. We don't have that many, you know, activities for them to do to support that. And the other piece, and we, I know we have a lot of teachers that listen, who are the teachers teaching pre-AP and honors classes compared to the regular classes? Because I can tell you my experience in high school, those regular teachers were usually the coaches or assigning worksheets. And there's actually research to back this, that they're in the regular classes. They're teaching lower order thinking, meaning you're just memorizing out of a textbook trying to pass that star test or standardized test, whatever you have in your state. The higher level classes usually have the most qualified teachers. I remember my physics teacher was amazing, right? She had like a undergraduate degree in physics and just like Mm -hmm. the projects we would do, critical thinking, problem solving, but that's not happening in the lower level. So like those kids, of course, aren't going to like physics.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I can think about back to all my favorite classes is all just the teacher and how qualified they were and how passionate they were. And then my, I mean, I took, I tried to take regular English. I actually got kicked out. I don't <laughs> know if I told you the story. No.
0: <laughs> Learning so
1: much about you, Claire. <laughs> uh, Yeah, they, I was so bored. <laughs> I was like, I don't like English. Um, I don't like writing. I don't want to put forth the effort because I don't like this. I want to be an astronaut and astronauts don't need to know how to do this. I thought, well, then I got kicked out because they're like, no, you don't belong with these kids. You uh, are in all higher level other classes. So it doesn't make sense that you're in this class and we don't have room for you because we need to make room for other kids. So I got kicked out and they made me do the AP English. And I'm so glad they did, but then I'm thinking about all the other kids that are nobody pushes them. And so if you're not pushed, you're going to be stuck and used to, oh, this is normal to just go through the motions of not really having to think about anything. Mm -hmm. And that's really sad. We shouldn't be labeling our kids that way. We should be challenging all of them. They all should have access to things like STEM that promotes critical thinking, even if you don't want to be an engineer. That's what it's about.
0: And you talked about motivation earlier and how it's on the parents. A lot of students, especially for those that are that have struggles, maybe are low economic families that are working multiple jobs and their parents, one, don't know what's the best for the kids, or to do don't have the time to support them in making these decisions. And it's left to the kid to figure out and navigate this mess of school, the classes to take. And the counselors in the school, you know, have like hundreds of kids assigned to them. They don't have the time to advocate for each of these kids, keep them motivated, help them make these decisions. And so we're doing a disservice to a lot of kids that we're just kind of like, oh yeah, just take the regular class. And like you said, you were labeled as a high achieving student. So the teachers were expecting more from you. So then you were being pushed into that higher level. Maybe a lot of those kids that are in this regular class, someone just wasn't there to push them. They had other reasons that they lost motivation. And it's interesting, I'll, I'll link this article that I was reading, but basically they find that children of color, so Latino, Hispanic, Black students are overrepresented in these low-level classes, as well as special education classes. So basically, a teacher doesn't want to deal with them, and they get labeled as needing special education and kind of like, get out of my class. And that's really sad. Mm-hmm. And this is often also a reflection of IQ testing or standardized testing. So schools will use what they're considering as like a scientific tool to track kids. But these kids that are coming from certain backgrounds are not performing as well. On these standardized tests, and it's not a fault of their own. Maybe they didn't have the same access to resources. They weren't getting, you know, tutors like you had a tutor helping you with negative numbers. Um, there's a lot of research on what happens before kindergarten and the amount of books you have access to, the language your parents talk um, in, or how the vocabulary they use has a huge impact on you as a student in kindergarten, first grade. And then these divisions just keep getting bigger and bigger. I encourage teachers to read the book Savage Inequalities because it really talks about this and like how there is this huge gap in our educational system that is really unfair to a lot of kids. So I'm very passionate, if you can't tell, (laughs) about (laughs) the subject. And I'm trying to like the thing when we talk about STEM, the people that reach out to us often are from like special schools or supporting gifted and talented kids or I'm like at a STEM charter school and I want to do like launch a rocket and they have tons of money and like they have the best kids that are my best they just mean the most motivated because they come from families that support them and I'm like no STEM is for everybody I want to I will help you but I also <laughs> want to help all these other kids that don't have access and it's just like so frustrating
1: Yeah, and I think that's our why that we've talked about before as to why we got into STEM education. It's because we were engineers and we've been supported by our teachers, by our parents, and we want to help those who weren't because it was really hard to get where we are with what we had. I can't imagine those that don't have a support system, that don't have mentors, that don't have Anything, really, to base off of it? I mean, that's why we do careers is because a lot of kids don't even have never even heard of an aerospace engineer. So how are they going to be one? Well, what if nobody believes in them either? They're probably telling them, no, this isn't for you. You need to stay in the regular classes or you shouldn't go to STEM school or you shouldn't be in this track. So yeah, what what can we do to fix that?
0: There needs to be a transformation in how we just see schools in general. And to me, STEM is very similar to like project-based learning. It's this pedagogical approach. It's this way to teach. It is not a track. We shouldn't be putting kids in a STEM classroom or in a STEM track. The idea of STEM is this integrated approach to learning. We, we talk a lot about it, but kids apply, apply math and science to real-world problems using technology we can weave in history. Let's look at the history of airplanes before we design our own airplane. Let's write a persuasive essay on why someone should live on your colony in Mars. This is the way to do school. Like this is why kids are excited to come to space club every day and do something really fun. And then learning happens as they're the ones kind of pushing it forward and wanting to learn more. And we're inspiring curiosity, collaboration, teamwork, all these skills no matter what they do in life, they're going to need. And it's so sad to see kids stuck in desk, memorizing things and just being frustrated because they hate math, and they're they're just not getting the right education. And it's not fair that only those in these high, tr- whatever achieving tracks, are getting access to what we know is good quality teaching. So,
1: yes. I, don't, I don't know what I to do agree. about it, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think the first step is just to give teachers access and make them aware of what's going on. Give them access to STEM curriculum where they can insert it into anything that they are teaching to bring those critical thinking skills, to bring that excitement, to allow kids to see a different side of something that they probably wouldn't already be exposed to. So whether you are a history teacher, I mean, we probably mostly have STEM teachers here, but talk to your other departments and say, hey, STEM is for your class too. Get these kids exposed to things that are outside of what they're used to, because it's really experience that really helps them like open a new world to them. Um, If you didn't check out a previous podcast where we talked about how you can develop a relevant STEM challenge to give kids something that's relatable to what their experiences already are. Um, We'll link that in the show notes because that would be a good one for you to be able to develop something for your kids to bring everybody access to quality STEM and hopefully provide something for their future. So thank you, Natasha, for this awareness. And I'm sure we're going to loop back around on this topic because I'm interested in finding out more about how we can serve these kids better as they are tracked into whatever we're telling them they should be. But we'll talk next time. For now, STEM space out.